1: Just a warning, this series contains descriptions of violence and some profanities from the people telling the story. We don't want you to be caught off guard. In the final moments of Roseanne Boylan's life, after she had been crushed in a crowd of people pushing towards an entrance to the Capitol, a man in a teal-blue hooded sweatshirt with a scratchy voice tried to help her. The man's name is Justin Winchell. He and Roseanne had driven up all night from Kennesaw, Georgia, to make it in time to see President Donald Trump rally supporters at the Ellipse. They'd gone with the crowd of thousands of people to the Capitol. And then the pair had found themselves trapped on the West Front, where Roseanne had ended up in that deadly scrum. Throughout the day, Winchell had been sending text messages back and forth to Roseanne's father, Brett. It was on that text thread that Brett first found out that something bad had happened to Roseanne.
2: Please call me, I need to talk to you about Roseanne. She'd been hurt,
1: so. And it was on that thread, eight hours later, when it was Brett's turn to deliver bad news. He texted Winchell to tell him that they'd identified a dead body at a local hospital as Roseanne. Roseanne's sister, Lana, has the screenshots.
3: Thursday, January 7th, 1244 a.m., my dad texted Justin Winchell. Got a call from a detective a while ago. Roseanne died. She was at one of the hospitals as a Jane Doe. She didn't have her ID, so they verified some of her tattoos with us. The medical examiner is supposed to call us in the morning.
1: The next few weeks were grueling for the Boylans, fending off calls from friends, reporters, even strangers, all while watching Roseanne's memory become a talking point. We lost a loved one in a violent
4: sociopolitical event that's been viewed around the world. How, how, do, you, how do you internalize that? How do you digest that? How do you absorb that? You know, how do,
1: how do you find peace with that? Justin Winchell got back in touch in late January. He texted several times to offer assistance or just to meet up for lunch or coffee with Brett and his wife, Cheryl. Just know that I'm here no matter what, even though we have not met, he wrote. Then, one day, he called. He called me
2: seeing if I wanted to meet and talk with him and stuff. And at the time, I just told him I wasn't ready to, you know, do that with him. So I I said, I'll get back in touch with you, you know, in a few weeks probably. So
5: At that time, Justin told Brett that he wouldn't be going on social media or giving any interviews or anything like that anymore, that he was going to kind of lay low and be quiet about everything, but that if Brett needed to talk to him or I did, he would be available.
1: At the end of February, Brett decided he was finally ready to meet up.
2: I had his number, phone number from that night they rode up together in the next couple of days that we were text messaging and talking back and forth. And then uh, one of the calls I got from him was from a different number. So when I tried to get back in touch with him, I tried both those numbers and kind of got no response from either one of them.
1: Brett kept trying to reach him. So did other members of the family. They called, texted, reached out to mutual friends, but Justin Winchell had vanished. From MSNBC, I'm Ayman Mohiddin, and this is American Radical. Episode 2, The Other Justin. Roseanne and her sister Lana fought a lot as kids.
3: We used to fight over the remote control all the time. Fist fights over the
1: remote control. But Lana, who was five years older, was protective of her little sister.
3: There was this kid that was a year older than me, and he was riding around the our neighborhood on his bicycle, and he, like, flicked Roseanne off and, like, called her a name or something so I'm probably 10 he's probably 11 so she's five and so I run out there and I'm like don't you talk to my sister like that you know you don't blah 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 and like uh yelling at him and Rosanne was like started crying because I stuck up for her
1: but Lana wasn't with Rosanne on January 6th none of the family was
3: you know I'm her older sister I should have done more to protect her
1: she and her parents are still trying to make sense of how Roseanne ended up in D.C. at all. She
5: had a severe case of can't be in crowds at all. I mean,
2: yeah, she she didn't even like going to Walmart or the grocery store. Just she just hated getting close to people. So that was a real surprise when we saw where she was and stuff. But I guess the things that occurred over the past six months as so she was getting more and more involved, uh, she did go to one of his, not the very last rally he did in Georgia, but the second to last Rome, Georgia. She went to that.
4: Well, thank you very much. Hello, Georgia. Hello, Georgia.
2: His son, Trump Jr. was in Kennesaw at a gun club up there doing a speech one night. So I went up there and watched that with her. So with with that stuff in mind, uh, it's not a su- surprise that she wanted to go up there.
5: She told me that why, what she felt. She said, my president has asked me to come support him. And I've done so many stupid things in my life that I'm going to do something that I really believe in.
1: But actually going with the crowd to the Capitol and trying to force her way in, that was something they did not expect. And they began to wonder about the role that Justin Winchell had played.
2: The one thing we don't know is, did Roseanne go up that far all on her own, or did he persuade? We don't know that, so... I mean, where we saw her at was like she had no business being up there. I mean, she had had talked to all of us, telling us that she, you know, wasn't going to get involved if it got crazy.
1: Lana had the same questions. She started keeping track of them in her journal.
3: Where the fuck is Justin at? I have so many questions for him. I need to know why. Why were y'all up in the entrance? What made you want to be crammed in there with all those people? Did you think you might not be coming home? Were you really prepared to die for Trump like so many others were that day?
1: Lana and her parents are hoping to get Roseanne's phone unlocked to answer questions like these. But the process is taking longer than they thought. So all that the Boylans really know about Justin is that he and Roseanne met through Alcoholics Anonymous. Drugs were Roseanne's problem, not alcohol. But Lana says that's what made AA a comfortable place for her.
3: She liked going to AA meetings instead of NA meetings because um, in the NA meetings they always, you know, would talk about how messed up on drugs they got. And it was kind of almost like a trigger to her. Um, So she liked going to the AA meetings because she didn't ever have a problem with alcohol. So people could talk about getting wasted all day long. It didn't bother her.
1: There was one place in particular she had come to frequent. It was called the Atlanta Triangle Club. It's about 30 miles from Lon and Justin's home near downtown. It's a small, low-key nonprofit. People flow in and out, chat and smoke outside. Roseanne loved the place and went to late-night meetings there.
3: She went to the midnight um, meetings, and basically they all just kind of congregated outside and would talk before the meetings and would talk after the meetings, and that's where she spent a lot of her evenings. I think she went Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays, I want to say. And then sometimes, sporadically, she would go other days throughout the week.
1: Did you ever go with her to a AA meeting?
3: No, I didn't ever attend any of the meetings. I'm not into sharing feelings and talking and stuff like that, or listening to other people's problems. I got my own problems. I wasn't participating in the AA aspect or any of her recovery stuff, honestly.
1: Brett and Cheryl never attended a meeting at Triangle either. But Roseanne would, on occasion, bring friends from her midnight meetings over to her parents' house. Cheryl remembers one woman named Kim.
5: She met her at Triangle, and they were like the same, I mean, the same diagnosis and everything. So they said they were like parts of the same body or something. They had um, both the same mental issues. And this girl was actually going to go with her and Justin, but she really liked Justin. And then she didn't think she could stand listening to him that long in the car. She did go to the rally in Rome with Roseanne.
1: We tried to get in touch with Kim on multiple occasions to see what she knew about Justin Winchell and Roseanne's time at Triangle. She never got back to us. But that memory got the family thinking. Was it possible that someone at Triangle had been indoctrinating Roseanne and the other members into QAnon and into the belief that dedicating your life to Trump was a matter of good and evil.
3: I think a lot of people that get mixed up in cult-like situations are on the fringe of society. They're, you know, looking for purpose. And that's why I kind of wonder if maybe there was somebody that purposely went to the AA and NA meetings. Like, maybe that's how they're, like, Recruiting people is because most people that are recovering addicts are looking for purpose in life. They're trying to figure out who they are as a sober person.
1: My producer Priti Varathan wanted to clarify what Lana meant.
3: What
6: you're saying sort of implies that there might be intentional plans yeah, at oh these yeah. AI meetings.
3: That's what I. That's what I wonder. Yeah, because you do. You wonder yeah. if people are
6: there trying to recruit. Because recruit.
3: Who? who what? A, what better way? What better source of people? to try and recruit them, people that are looking for purpose. That's literally what they're there for, is looking to find, you know, companionship and purpose and, and meaning in this new thing called sobriety. They're looking for a family-type, close-knit group, and that's all the things that cults do.
1: The Atlantic Triangle Club never answered our calls or messages about what might have happened in those meetings. But in Lana's version of events, Roseanne was a victim, Surrounded by some bad people. People who convinced her to believe something that wasn't real. And Justin Winchell might have been one of them. Of course, the only way to find out was to talk to him. And that was the problem. All she had to go off of were some texts about travel logistics and the fading memories of a few phone calls. But there was someone with a lot more material. Someone seemingly the only one who'd really talked to Justin Winchell about January 6th before he went
7: dark. It never dawned on me that I would be the last reporter to ever talk to this man.
0: Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.
8: You ever meet someone who seems kind of off? Whether it's a creepy neighbor or a random phone number that keeps calling you, Truthfinder has you covered. You can search for people by name, address, phone number, email, and more. Truthfinder can be especially helpful for running confidential background checks on anyone you're planning to meet from online dating apps. Go to truthfinder.com slash podcasts for a special offer. That's truthfinder.com slash podcasts to access your special offer today.
7: I was in my bedroom, I had on the, the news, and, you know, of course, I'm preparing for work and doing some research. And
1: That's you know, Zach Summers, a reporter at CBS 46 in Atlanta. Atlanta on January 6th, he was getting ready for the night shift when he saw the insurrection start to play out on live TV.
7: And then you start to see what was happening at the Capitol, and I remember thinking, like, is this really happening in America? Because it was just so bizarre what was unfolding.
1: The rest of the day was a blur for Zach. It was wall-to-wall coverage of the riot.
7: So the next day, January 7th, I was about to get into our editorial meeting and uh, word had come down that Roseanne was one of the victims from the insurrection. So they were like, Zach, we want you to stay on this story, try to find more out about this woman from Kennesaw. We found Roseanne's Facebook page and literally every friend of hers... ...that I could find on Facebook, I sent a message. Hey, Zach Summers with CBS 46 in Atlanta, I'm working on a story about what happened to Roseanne, trying to get to know a little bit about her. Is there any chance I could talk with you?
1: Most people never got back to Zach, but he did manage to reach one person.
7: A friend of hers, I guess, knew her from childhood and was still sort of close to her family... I had to break the news to her that Roseanne was killed, which is always hard um, to tell somebody that someone they knew has died. She was very gracious and very nice. She said, well, let me talk to her parents and see if they're okay with this. And I'll call you back. I for sure thought she was never going to call me back. Within 10 minutes of that phone call, she said, hey, I'll do you one better. I will give you Justin Winchell's. Contact. He went to the Capitol with Roseanne. So give him a call. See if he talks to you.
1: He didn't know how the woman knew Justin Winchell or if this guy Winchell was expecting his call. Zach thought there was a strong chance that Winchell would simply hang up on him or even cuss him out. But he was on deadline with a good lead, and so he dialed his number.
7: I called Justin, and sure enough, he was like, yeah, I'll talk to you. Zach set up a Zoom call, And in that footage, you can see
1: Justin in his hotel room in Washington, D.C.
7: And we got on the Zoom and, yeah, for 20 minutes, we talked about what had unfolded at the Capitol. It's probably one of the most uh, interesting interviews uh, I have ever, ever done in in my nearly decade of being in the business. All right, I'm recording. Uh, First, can I have you say and your first and last name?
9: My name is Justin, J-U-S-T-I-N, last name Winchell, W-I-N-C-H-E-L-L.
7: Only
1: a short clip of the interview ran in a two-minute-long story on January 7th, and then in later segments that the station aired. But Zach had held on to the full interview, and the station gave us permission to use it.
7: And Justin, you went to the rally with Roseanne? Yeah,
9: sure enough, we drove up from, uh, from Atlanta together to attend the rally.
7: So how long have you all known each other?
9: We've known each other, uh, I don't know, probably close to two years now.
1: Over the last eight months, Winchell said, they'd started hanging out more and more.
9: She and I stay pretty, uh, pretty active and, uh, and just kind of events of the world today and, uh, and alternative news sources because, as we know, uh, not many things are what they seem these days. We got into that, and we have other common interests, music and stuff like that. So, uh, so we've spent a lot of time. Super bright girl. Uh, super amazing girl.
7: Tell me what happened yesterday.
9: We got there about 7 a.m., uh, right by the national monument and the ellipse. So we went there, everything was peaceful, a lot of children, people selling, you know, their t-shirts, and I mean there was even food vendors. It was basically like going to any other um, I mean it wasn't like a like a hoorah type um, type uh thing whatsoever. Um, everybody was just happy to be American. You know, I think there's a person or two in the United States that don't doesn't think that the that the election was uh, was fair and honest.
7: They are, were very much of the belief that the election was stolen and they were going to this rally that was hosted by President Trump. And, you know, Justin's account, it was all peaceful. It was a peaceful event.
9: When Donald Trump was done speaking, we uh, um, they had an event at the Capitol building at 1. So we marched to the Capitol building um, uh, at 1, and then people had gotten up on the scaffolding and stuff like that. I mean, everything was really, really positive. This was not like an angry thing. People were so, singing the national anthem, doing all kind of stuff. This was not an angry protest by any means. We got closer and closer, and we went up on the second landing of the Capitol building itself because uh, it was crowded, and we had heard that some people did go in. That was not our intention, but it was not supposed to be a violent event, nor was it a violent event.
7: He basically says that there were instigators in the crowd, non-Trump supporters who were You know, starting to cause this melee that eventually turned into what we know as the insurrection.
9: There were some people in the front that uh, I really don't think were with us. And, you know, who knows, maybe they were radical Trump supporters, but it just didn't feel like that. You know, they, they had all the garb on a little too
7: much. Take me to why Roseanne isn't here with us right now. Take me to that moment. Okay,
9: I, I kind of lost Roseanne. She was like two people away from me. There was probably three or four guys in the back, and people, I mean, actively just pushing people, like pushing people, pushing people, pushing people, pushing people to, uh, to get closer to the door, to go into the building. So it essentially started into, like, like they basically created a panic, and then the, the police, in turn, pushed back on them. So people started falling.
1: Winchell told Zach he put his arm around someone to help him off the ground. Then he looked back down.
9: Roseanne turns her head up, lips blue. I think she had been without oxygen, face down, with people laid on top of her. And then there's two other guys. I pulled off of her. And then the last time I tried to get her up, I got my arm underneath her. And then another guy fell on top of her. And then another guy was just walking. I mean, there was people crushed.
7: And he talked about the moment where he tried to reach out to her and and grab her, and she's blue in the face. Um, And eventually, you know, him and some other patriots, as he called them, uh, were able to get Roseanne to the side. But then he starts at, at moments in the interview to put the blame on the Capitol Police.
1: The police deny that they caused Roseanne's death, and they say that Roseanne's autopsy report proves it. But this theory that officers played a role will become a big part of the story and something that we spend time on later in the series.
9: She was already blue and the Capitol Police hit her once in the face and some blood started coming out of her nose. I was like, I think she's dead. I think she's dead and I'm screaming this. And we finally got her out, Uh, myself and two patriots. One of them had med scissors and a med kit. They were going up and down on her chest.
7: When you see your friend on the ground, blue in the face, What's going through your mind in that moment?
9: It showed me that human life really doesn't doesn't mean anything. I was trying, I was screaming, and there was a lot of us. There's a lot of us trying to make this thing work, and and, and you know get our people out because this is not what we came. We didn't come to like create this event that's been really manufactured. Let me ask and you this,
7: Justin. You you said I don't understand why this is being portrayed as a, a per, per, portrayed as a a, a violent event. But at the end of the day, you have four people who are dead. Yes. Does the president, President Trump, have blood on his hands? Does he have blood on his hands? No. And you don't think the president bears any responsibility
9: as to what? It happened? was a peace. It was a peaceful event. Absolutely but turned, not. But it turned violent. I know, and we weren't the perpetuators of the violence. Do you understand? It was peaceful, 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 peaceful. It was peaceful. Even that picture with the guy with the furry hat on with the horns, you know, and all his buddies in in Congress. He's an Antifa member. So you're saying
7: none of them were Trump's supporters?
9: I'm not saying none of them, but I'm saying the fuel was fired. That There was a fuse that was lit and, and there was negative, negative energy. I lost a dear, dear friend, man, an amazing friend whom I miss dearly, but she was killed. By an incited event, and it was not incited by Trump supporters.
7: It wasn't. No, absolutely not. I just told you. Yeah? As a reporter, you know our job is always to remain objective, and I approach every story that way. I will say it was difficult, though. A majority of us watched what happened that day, and you know he was using words like this: th- the media's manufacturing this story. And I'm like, well, Justin, the media is just reporting what what we literally saw.
1: For the record, the writer Winchell mentions the guy with the fur headdress in those famous images is Jacob Chansley. He was sentenced this November to three years in prison. There's no evidence that he was an Antifa plant.
7: You know people will hear what you're saying and say, is he delusional? They can think that all day long. I don't care. People were in D.C. You don't think that, that they have the
9: ability to put, to put uh, people in, some Antifa people and stuff like that? You don't think
7: since Trump announced this was going to go, going to go on since at, the, since at the 6th? You don't it's just unbelievable that you know there are, are supporters of the former presidents who are just so in it where they can't even face reality.
9: Roseanne was fighting for, for this very fact. That, that things are not what they seem. People are being pinned against each other. We're fighting for freedom and for our beautiful human race. And unfortunately a lot of people are still asleep. But I'm telling you her death is exactly the things that she was passionate about people seeing. And it's
7: so it's, you're saying that she It's appropriate. I mean, it's, no, it's
9: appropriate. It's appropriate that this w- this is going to be like this, you know. But this is exactly what was done to her was literally the things that she wants to wake people up to.
7: I was just speechless. There was a part of me that questioned, was he completely sober? He just seemed very all over the place. And maybe that's his personality. I don't know. But based on some things I had learned from other friends in the past of Roseanne's, Mm
8: -hmm.
7: looking back at that interview, you wonder, okay, was he all the way there?
1: At the end of the interview, Zach and Winchell said their goodbyes, and Winchell agreed to send along some photos from the day before.
9: Shoot me your contact card, and I'll get
7: all that stuff over to you right now. So with that, okay. I'll send you my contact information, um, and you take care. When, when are you coming back? I knew win? I was getting something that nobody else in the market would have. It's crazy to think that he has never talked to anybody else since that interview.
1: Do you have any idea where he is now?
7: I've tried his email, tried the phone number he gave me. He's nowhere to be found. And I have no idea where he could be.
1: But Zach remembered something. He had an email from Justin Winchell from back in January. And at the bottom of the message in Winchell's email signature was an address. In mid-August, on a hot evening in Kennesaw, Justin Cave, Lana, and my producer, Preeti, sat around the kitchen table, hatching a plan. It was well past everyone's bedtime. Justin had thrown open the doors to the backyard to let some cool air in.
6: I have two addresses for Justin Munchell. One is through like, me going deep on LexisNexis and trying to find his, like, last posted information. The other one is actually from the last reporter who spoke to him, uh, Zach, who's a CBS Uh, 46 reporter. Is that the
4: day day of? He made that appearance on
6: the... Well, that was was still up in Washington to
3: see us. He's kind of gone dark. He has gone dark.
6: Exactly. And I should tell you, the number that Zach used to get in touch with Justin, he no longer responds to. In fact, anyone who's tried to call that number, it immediately goes to voicemail.
1: Justin and Lana were still trying to track Winchell down. Of course, we really wanted to talk to Winchell, too. We found a few numbers associated with him. But everyone we tried at the time either went straight to voicemail, had been disconnected, or belonged to someone else. The
6: number you dialed is not a working number. Hello? Hello? Hi, is this Justin Winchell's number?
1: We then tried to find his family and track down some people with the same last name who appeared to have shared an address with Winchell in the past.
9: Hi, this is the Winchell. please leave a
1: message. But we hadn't heard back from anyone. So we decided we didn't have any other options. It was time to try knocking on Justin Winchell's door. And here's where Preeti picks up the story.
6: We had the address that Zach Summers had given us, which matched a record we turned up on our end. We of course didn't know whether Winchell still lived there, but we thought it was worth a shot. So on a Sunday afternoon, Justin picked me up in his truck. All right, I'm recording.
4: All right, so let's talk about this for a second. Should we go down to this address that might be Winchell's mom's address first?
6: I think Justin lived with his mom. We'll go
4: there there first. I'm going to route it right now. This is 75 to Centennial here.
6: As we drove onto I-75 North, Justin started fidgeting. I asked him if he was nervous.
4: A little bit. I don't, you know, I mean, normally I wouldn't knock on a... Stranger's door, but I think given the circumstances, you know nobody knows where he's at. Pass
5: this light, then at the next one, turn
6: right. What drink do you have over there?
4: A latte with four shots of espresso. It's a quad.
6: Justin said he wanted to practice our questions.
4: What do you think? What do you think a good question to ask would be? Like,
6: uh, honestly, my very first question would be, whose idea was it to go up to the Capitol? I sort of see my job as trying to figure out how Roseanne became radicalized, and I wonder to what extent Justin Winchell is a part of that.
4: Maybe I could ask him. How did he hear about QAnon? Why? Why? Why is he involved with the, with this QAnon thing? Because it's strange. You know, what did they talk about on the way up there? What, what were they? Were they just going to peacefully protest, or were they going to storm the Capitol with QAnon? You know, was this was this a protest, or was this a coup attempt?
6: Eventually, we made it to a relatively nondescript neighborhood, with tall apartment buildings and stores at street level.
4: Okay, looks like past this light, it should be one of these buildings. Okay, this is it right here, I think.
6: The destination is on your right.
4: That's it right there. Arrived. Right.
6: Justin parked the car and killed the engine, but right when we were about to head over to Winchell's building, he started to wonder what we might do if no one was home, so he decided he was going to write a letter that he could leave under the door.
4: Okay, um, Justin, Lana, and I need to speak to you about Roseanne. Please call or text with love, Justin. I'll just put Justin C.
6: At this point, Justin's hands were shaking so badly, he could barely get the keys out of the ignition.
4: I'm going to smoke a cigarette outside
6: of the truck. Okay?
4: Okay. Cause I'm a little nervous. I don't, like, like I said, really know what to expect.
6: When Justin had finally collected himself, we made our way up the walkway...
4: All right, we got the walk here. Let's keep it moving.
6: ...to a drab gray building. Of course, the front door was locked, but there was a keypad directory.
4: Clicking through the names here, I'm trying to see if I can find Winchell on the thing. Winchell. The Justin okay. Winchell. Okay.
6: Justin started to dial Winchell's apartment. But at that exact moment, a security guard spotted us.
4: Hey, I was just trying to go up to the 17th floor. Uh, I just wanted to talk to the Winchells. The number
0: you dialed is not a working number. Please check the number and dial again. The number
9: you
8: guys got to find a better way to get in contact with him. You can't do it like this. I know. Like, you know well, what I how mean? the hell just... can
4: we do it? Yeah, this is a letter. if You just give it to him.
6: The guard shook his head.
8: All right. I appreciate All right. you, man. Thank All right. you. All right. I can help
6: you guys. Justin still wanted to find a way to deliver his letter. So he came up with the Plan B, the Triangle Club, the AA facility where Justin and Roseanne had met. When we got there, he asked if he could head in alone.
4: I just went in here to the AA meeting place. It looks like a meeting just got out. There was actually a lot of people there. I said, our our sister Roseanne used to come to meetings here. There's somebody I can leave this where in case he comes in. He goes, you can stick it on the bulletin board. So I left the letter on the bulletin board there with his name on it, Justin W.
6: Justin took a moment to exhale. And then suddenly he was leaning over the dash, looking through the car window, there was a guy in a hoodie with bleach blonde hair walking around.
4: Nang Titan, I think, does that look, it looks like him. No, I'm tripping. Let's go, okay? All right,
6: all
4: right. I'm just, you know, like I said, it's just like, <sighs> nah, he's not here.
1: Justin and Preethi didn't find Justin Winchell that day, but we did eventually reach his mother on the phone.
6: Hi, is this Judy Winchell? You are his mother? Okay.
1: But she didn't want to be recorded, and it was clear that she didn't want to be interviewed. She said if we wanted to get in touch with Justin, we'd need to go through his lawyer. And she declined to give us his contact info. She said she'd pass along ours.
6: Yeah, let me, I can give you my number right now.
1: We didn't really expect to hear anything back, and we still haven't. But even if we couldn't talk to Justin Winchell and hear his account of how Roseanne got radicalized there was someone who'd compiled a pretty clear record of what she came to believe. Roseanne herself. Next time on American Radical.
3: She stayed up all night. On YouTube. Hashtag save the children. Hashtag take the red pill. Then hashtag down the rabbit hole.
4: It was a way to bring people in. It was like terror recruiting.
3: And I was like, um, is Rosanna Trump supporter now? You know, all these things that looking back now are like, oh shit, like, these are all warning signs.
1: From MSNBC, this is episode two of five of American Radical. The series was reported and produced by Preeti Varathan with Eva Ruth Moravec and Ursula Sommer. Additional production help from Abe Selby and Olivia Richard. Original music by Brian Robertson and MJ Hancock. Sound design by Rick Kwan. Bryson Barnes is our technical director. Reed Cherlin is our executive producer. Madeline Herringer is our head of editorial. Special thanks to Zach Summers and Brian Kanziger at CBS 46.
8: You ever meet someone who seems kind of off?